Well, tonight we're continuing our Standing on the Promises series with 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 18. This text was requested by Joy Hoving. There's a number of promises that weave through these verses. A couple of the ones that I'm going to focus on in some different ways throughout the sermon are that God works through our suffering to His glory and that God brings us to greater glory ourselves through our suffering. Let's read God's Word. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his, death, his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is God's word for us, his people, this evening. About a hundred years ago in South Africa, a miner more or less stumbled on the largest gem quality diamond that has ever been discovered anywhere in the world. It was about, if you look at this cup of water, it was just a little bit smaller than this cup of water, four or five inches by a couple inches all around, and it weighed a bit over a pound. Now, if you think about that, in some respects, that doesn't sound too impressive, but at today's prices, if you found a diamond like that, you could probably get 400 million for it, give or take a little bit, you know, a few million now, South Africa was an English colony back then, and so the South Africans generously decided to give this diamond to the King of England. But then the government of England had a problem. How do you transport something that only weighs a pound or two, that can fit in a big pocket, and that is worth several hundred million dollars? How do you get that from South Africa to England without it getting stolen on the way? So they hired a whole bunch of security. They sent all kinds of government agents on this ship. They put a packet in the captain's safe, and they watched over it the whole journey. There were a couple attempts to steal it, but it worked out okay. But actually, the diamond was never on that ship, was never with those agents of the government. What they actually did with this really expensive rare stone was they wrapped it up, they put it in a cardboard box, and they mailed it to England by regular parcel post. Imagine dropping that box off at the post office someday. 
Now, apparently, they did send it by registered post, so if it got lost, they would have been able to track it, but they just dropped it in the mail and sent it off. Just going through the post in this regular old cardboard box was one of the most valuable items in the whole world. A glorious duel wrapped up in a cardboard box. And can you imagine being a postal worker who might have had that box break open in front of you? Can you imagine what you would think in that moment? What, what would that do to you? Our text for today tells us about jars of clay, cardboard boxes, and the glory of God. And if you've heard a sermon or a talk about this text before, you've probably heard that in the ancient world, jars of clay were the equivalent of our cardboard boxes today. A jar of clay was disposable. It didn't have any inherent worth. You wouldn't give any more thought to a jar of clay than you would to a container and a cup from a McDonald's Happy Meal. You don't expect greatness from cardboard. But 2 Corinthians tells us that that's what we get. We Christians aren't anything special. We're made out of dust, out of clay, just like everybody else. But these verses tell us that the cardboard boxes that we are, these jars of clay that we are, we are carrying around the world's greatest treasure within us. Verse 7 tells us that we're carrying this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. No matter what we do for God, we are never the people with the power but we do serve as vessels for God's power. God is at work within us. God's glory shines through our lives. And one of the joys and the challenges of this text is that our suffering especially, our suffering especially can show forth the glory of God. As we persevere and struggle through the Christian walk, we are showing the life of Christ within us to the world. And even through our suffering, God is renewing us for eternal glory. Our suffering shows forth the glory of God. God renews us through our suffering to eternal glory. And Christians do suffer in this world. We as believers have all the regular troubles of life in this world, the sickness, the financial trouble, everything. And then we have extra troubles. We have extra trouble because we follow a higher standard. We have extra trouble because we serve the true Lord and not the idols of our day and age. We have extra trouble because the principalities and the powers do not like us following the Lord. And so in verses 8 and 9, Paul tells us that we're in trouble. We're in trouble. First, verse 8 says that we're hard-pressed but not crushed. We're hard-pressed but not crushed. We're hard-pressed from every side. And the sense of that Greek word is if you take something in your hands and you squeeze and you squeeze and you squeeze it. And maybe you've had an experience sometime in your life when you just felt squeezed. When there was a deadline approaching, when you had a big school assignment due, when you had a big proposal or a big project that had to be submitted by a certain day, when you need to get a whole pile of stuff loaded up and you don't really have enough time to do it, but you got to get it done. 
and you feel squeezed for time. The pressure is on, and you wonder how you're going to make it. Now, sometimes that kind of pressure can be destructive. We miss deadlines, we stress out, we collapse. But that's not what Paul tells us happens in our lives as Christians. We might feel like the world is always squeezing us. The world is always putting pressure on us. We're never able to feel like we can get everything done that we need to. But this verse tells us that when the pressure mounts, God keeps us strong. Maybe you had it at some point in your life when everything was squeezing you when you were under pressure, and then all of a sudden you hit that zone where things made sense. I had that a couple times in college. The day before a paper was due, I didn't know how it was going to work. It was really stressing me out. And then all of a sudden, I saw the whole thing, and I could just sit down and go. When that point hits, when you find new life in the midst of that pressure, when you have a sense of where to go, you can keep going. Verse 8 says that when we're squeezed, we're not crushed because Christ is at work within us. Christ keeps us going. Christ gives us the strength and the vision we need even when we feel squeezed. And verse 8 also says that we're perplexed but not in despair. We're not quite sure what's going to happen, but we know how things will work out in the end. I have this sometimes when I'm driving around here, especially when I get close to rush hour. I may know where I'm going. I know I'm going to get there. But that doesn't mean that the way is going to be easy. So I check the GPS on my phone, and there's no good route to go. I try a couple different things. All the roads are full of traffic, and I know it's going to be a struggle. Sometimes I beat the traffic. Most of the time, the traffic beats me. If you live in Chicago, you felt my pain. But even when I'm perplexed, even when I don't quite know which way to go, I know that I'm going to get I know that I will get there eventually. The Christian life is a bit like that. Sometimes we can't quite see how things are going to work out. We don't quite know which choice to make. We can't see, looking at what's in front of us, how in the world we're going to get through all that traffic, all that mess, all those troubles, and get safely home. But because Jesus is our Lord and Savior, because we serve the King of the universe, we can be assured that we will make it home. We may be perplexed sometimes, but we never need to despair because Jesus is our hope. And next, verse 9 says that we're persecuted but not abandoned. Persecuted but not abandoned. I've been told that the old Italian mafias used to have this thing they called the Omerta Code. And Omerta meant you didn't talk to the authorities. If you got questioned, you didn't give away any information. If you got arrested, you kept your mouth shut. Even if you got sent to prison, you didn't take anybody else down with you. You kept silence. You kept the code. So some people connected to the mafia went to jail for a long, long time rather than give away any information. Instead of making a deal, they just took the punishment handed down. And part of the reason that that worked was because when they were in jail, their mafia buddies were taking care of their family. This guy might be sitting in jail, but his kids' school supplies were taken care of, food kept showing up, the rent got paid. You might be in trouble, 
but you knew that there were people out there looking out for your family and so ultimately looking out for you. But as time passed, that caretaking arrangement kind of broke down. And some people's theory is that part of what broke down some of the mafias is that when people realized that their family wasn't getting taken care of, they broke the code. If they were abandoned, they weren't going to watch out for anybody else. Even when life was tough before, things could get as hard as they possibly could, but they knew they weren't abandoned. But when people felt abandoned, they gave up hope and they turned on the mafia. They didn't mind trouble. They could take persecution. They could take hard prison time, but they could not take being abandoned. Knowing that someone else was standing with them made the whole thing bearable. As long as you know that someone else is looking out for you, there's hope. You can take all kinds of persecution as long as there is hope. And Christians do have hope. Even when we go through terrible persecution, God's people are promised that God never abandons them. And God's people have all kinds of trouble in this world. It can be crushing and bewildering and painful, but God never abandons us. Things may look dark today, but we always always know that a tomorrow will come when everything will be made right. And finally, verse 9 says that believers are struck down but not destroyed. And for this last phrase, I think the best place to go to understand it is the life of Paul, the author of 2 Corinthians. A lot of commentators think that Paul is actually quietly, subtly referring to an incident in his own life that we read about in Acts 14. In Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas were preaching in a city called Lystra. And at first, well, Paul healed a man who couldn't walk from birth. He got up. He was all excited. The people wanted to worship Paul and his buddies. But then after a little bit, they turn on him. And they ritually stoned Paul. They threw rocks at him until they thought he was dead. And they dragged him outside the city gates. And they left him out there to rot. They thought that they had struck down Paul for good. But then after the other believers went out and gathered around Paul, Paul popped his eyes open, he stood up, and he went right back into the city. The people had struck this man of God down, but they had not destroyed him, and they had not stopped the spread of the gospel. And the next day, Paul went on to another city, and he kept preaching and preaching and preaching the gospel. As bad as life gets, and life does get bad, God is at work in and through his people. Even when we are struck down, even when we are left for dead, we are not destroyed. No matter how bad it gets, God goes with us. And even in this process of dying in so many ways, we are being brought to life. Even in this process of dying in so many ways, we are being brought to life. Verse 10 says that we're always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And in verses 11 and 12, work out that theme. 
people who follow Jesus are always being given over to death and the life of Jesus is always being shown forth in them. Now the word that 2 Corinthians uses for death and dying in this passage most of the time is more focused on the process of dying rather than the one-time event. When 2 Corinthians talks about this whole process of suffering and dying, it's focused on something that goes on and on, not a one-time thing. Paul says that Corinthians are always continually in the process of dying so that the life of Jesus can be revealed in us. That was especially true of Paul because of his special apostolic calling, but it's true of all Christians. If we follow Christ, we are always in a process of dying, and we are always in a process of being brought more and more to life. Every day that you wake up and follow Jesus is a day of struggling against sin and evil. We are continually putting to death our sinful nature. We are continually under attack from the principalities and powers of darkness in this universe. The Christian life is the best life out there, but it is not an easy or a comfortable life. And what's more, it's often in our struggles that the glory of God shines through most clearly. God shines through the broken places in our lives. When that package, when that cardboard box, when that huge diamond was being shipped from South Africa to England, nobody knew about it because the box stayed whole. It could have been shipped all the way around the world, and as long as that box had no trouble, no one would ever know what was inside it. But if that box had gotten squeezed, if that box had gotten crushed, if something had happened to it, the jewel would have shone through. God's glory often shines through the broken places of our lives. Sometimes when you're being crushed, when you're perplexed, when you're persecuted, when we're struck down, that's when God is really working through our lives to his glory. Sometimes when you feel like you're just dying, God is shining more clearly through you than at any other time in your life. Christians bearing suffering well is a sign of the life of Christ in us. Christians bearing suffering well is a sign of the life of Christ in us. When we are pressured, when we are persecuted, when we're perplexed, the strength of Christ keeps us strong and often it's in those times that God works in and through us most clearly. We are just jars of clay like everybody else. We're nothing special. But because we have Christ in us, we can stay strong. And Second Corinthians that tells us that even through our suffering, the life of Christ is at work within us. And the life of Christ gives us what we need to keep going through hard times. And God works even through our troubles to bring us to deeper and deeper life in Him. These passing troubles lead to eternal glory. Passing troubles 
lead to enduring glory. In verse 16, Paul says that we're wasting away outwardly, but we're being renewed inwardly day by day. Some older translations say our outer man is wasting away and our inner man is being renewed day by day. And you might take that to be Paul saying our bodies are in trouble, but our souls are being renewed. But I don't think that's really Paul's point. I think what Paul is saying in these verses is that we are being refined. Our whole person, all of what we are is being refined. And the old man, our sinful nature, is being burned away. And more and more, the person God wants us to be is coming into being. The way you refine something often is by burning it. You heat it really, really hot, and all the impurities burn away. You can take all the extra stuff off, and at the end of the process, after all the junk is pulled away, you get the pure metal, the pure material that you're going after. And Paul wants us to see our present troubles as a refining experience. We Christians are all moving from present troubles to future glory. By all external appearances, we may be suffering day to day in the pressure and the fire and the trouble, but our inner being, who we really are, is becoming more and more who we're designed to be. This life passes away day by day, week by week, year by year, but the things of God last forever. Verse 17 says that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now there's some, let's call it poetic license there. Second Corinthians isn't really saying that our life troubles don't really matter. This text isn't just dismissing the real, the terrible, the hard burdens that we carry. We need to recognize the reality of those burdens. We need to hear that the Bible doesn't just dismiss them. But Paul is saying that these troubles will pass. We are often in trouble. We are often hard-pressed. We are often perplexed. We are persecuted. Sometimes we are even struck down. But 2 Corinthians tells us that that will not last forever. Those troubles will not last forever, but the glory that God is developing in us will last forever. This text talks about this, that glory as if it's extraordinary. It's unlimited. It's extra, super special, beyond measure. It is more than we can possibly imagine. It is extraordinarily extraordinary. Paul is telling us to rebalance the scales. To rebalance the scales. Some places used to have these old balance scales, and they'd have a container on each side, and you could figure out how much something weighed by putting the thing in one side and then putting weights in the other. And whichever side of the balance was heavier would go down, and the other side would go up. So if you put a certain amount of known weight on one side and it matched up, you could tell this thing weighs this much. Now often when we look at our lives as Christians, the weight seems all out of balance. Our suffering, our troubles, they look so heavy. They seem to drag the scale down so far. And it's hard not to be discouraged. 
But Paul tells us to take another look at the scales. We think that our suffering is heavy, and it is. But the Bible tells us that the glory is, that is coming, that's heavy too. When we add up the pounds and pounds and pounds of burdens that all of us carry, the scales look really out of whack. But these verses come to that scale of our lives as Christians, and in comparison to the pounds and pounds and pounds of our burdens, it throws tons and tons and tons of God's glory and our future glory onto the other side of the scales. Even in the midst of our suffering, God is renewing us for his glory, and that glory far outweighs these troubles. Yes, life is hard, but we don't need to be discouraged. We are following in the way of a Savior who suffered and died for us, and because Jesus has already gone through death, he is able to bring us eternal life. The weight of our future glory is unimaginable. It is beyond anything that we can comprehend. The weight of how God is at work within us and what he will make us to be someday outweighs any trouble, any suffering we have today. So when you're suffering these days, don't be discouraged. Even though we're hard-pressed sometimes, God keeps us from being crushed. Even though we're perplexed, we have a sure hope that things will turn out okay. Even when we're persecuted, God is present with us. Even when we're struck down, God keeps us from being destroyed. As we struggle, God is renewing us. And our struggles are real. They are hard. Sometimes they are terrible, and we cannot explain them in this life. But still the Bible assures us even those troubles, even those weighty, hard things are like nothing. They are like nothing compared to the immeasurable, eternal glory that God is leading us toward. We are just jars of clay. We're just cardboard boxes but we carry around within us the greatest treasure in the world and as we're pressured and troubled as we get squeezed as we wonder how we're going to make it through by God's grace the treasure that we carry within us shines through in our suffering Christ shines through through our suffering God reveals his glory to the watching world. And in some way that we can't now comprehend or measure, our suffering today is being used by God to work to make us greater and more glorious people in his eternal kingdom. So be encouraged today. Life is never easy. Life will never be easy. But even though we're jars of clay, even though we're squeezed, even though we're perplexed, even though we're persecuted, even when we're struck down, God is at work within us. God walks with us. God is showing off the life of Christ in us, his people.